Support for the Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at floridasenergy.com. In Miami specifically, there's really not a lot of options. If you wanted Thai food, there's like a dozen options you could think of off the top of your head. You want Chinese, there's, you know what I mean? Like every kind of, even like Vietnamese, there's, you know, a handful of options. But when you think of Korean food in Miami, only just in the last couple of years have more locations, more Korean restaurants in Miami even popped up. I'm Delia Colon, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. Today, we'll meet a pair of sisters who are bringing Korean food to the masses in Miami. When you're in Miami, it's easy enough to find a Cuban sandwich and wash it down with a cup of Cuban coffee. But Jennifer and Michelle Kaminsky were craving something different, more along the lines of the Korean food they grew up eating. So they started a ghost kitchen. That's a restaurant that's available only for delivery and takeout. They call it Two Korean Girls, and it's generating big buzz in South Florida. I recently spoke with Jennifer and Michelle about the foods that remind them of childhood and the role Two Korean Girls plays in the movement to stop Asian hate. I'm Michelle. And I'm Jennifer, and we are sisters, and we are the, the managing partners for Two Korean Girls. Well, thank you so much for joining me. First question, why did you choose to call it Two Korean Girls? You could have called it Two Sisters. You could have called it Two Chicks in Miami. Why is it important to get Korean in the name? You know, it, honestly, it was kind of a, like, I guess, a happy mistake. Whenever we had first kind of developed and were conceptualizing on this, it all sort of happened kind of whirlwind. You, neither of us had ever thought about opening a restaurant because we grew up in the restaurant business. <laughs> our mothers had a restaurant for 30 plus years. It's where all of our sauces, seasonings, recipes, everything comes from. And so for us, there was just kind of a, an opportune moment. A, a dear friend of mine, she runs the PR for what was Winwood Yard. And they were hosting a, a pitch night for culinary entrepreneurs, food entrepreneurs, you know, for whatever stage. And I just thought, oh, my God, you know what? It'd be great if there's a bibimbap restaurant here in Miami. And so <laughs> that was actually kind of like how the whole thing started. And I was like, you know, what? we have nothing to lose. And, you know, we're marketing people, you know, so we've been in marketing and branding for over 20 years. We're putting together the proposal on the business plan and, and the pitch deck. And in Korea, uh, a lot of things are very literal. You know, if it's a, a restaurant that serves hot soup, the restaurant might just be called hot soup restaurant, right? Like you'll see the English subtitle, like, you know, uh, of something like that. So I said, you know what? I have to put something on here. Let's just, we'll just call it two Korean girls because that's what we are. And then we got a little bit of press, you know, around it and, and some reporters asking us about it because it was this interesting thing that was happening at the yard. And then the next thing we know, everyone's like, oh, you're the two Korean girls. I love that name. It's so cool. Like, this is great, whatever. And we're like, oh, shoot. Okay. Um, Google search, like, is two Korean girls.com. Like, like, okay, I guess our, I guess our name is two Korean girls. Because we thought, okay, maybe that'll be our parent co and like, we'll develop something else that's a better fit or whatever else or come up with something else. 
but it was, you know, it was literally just kind of like just sheer luck and, and positioning that it was like, oh no, this works. This is awesome. And even for us, we're like, oh my God, people like it and we like it. Like, (laughs) this is fun. Okay. I guess this is what we're going to go with. This is awesome. Yeah, you can't change it now. It makes me think of like when we <laughs> when we got our dog from the uh, the shelter, and his name was Max, which is like there are a million dogs named Max, and we're gonna change it, but let's just call him Max for now. Well, now he's answering to it, and now the kids are calling. <laughs> like, we can't change it, so it's working for you. I mean, two Korean girls—that's a great name. So thank you for explaining that, Jennifer. Michelle, tell me more about growing up in the restaurant business, and what lessons oh, wow. do you? First of all, first of all, okay, your sisters, right? So who's yeah. older? Who's older? What's the age difference? So Jennifer, Jennifer's yeah. raising your hand. <laughs> Jennifer, you're older. How can I ask how old you both are? Sure, Ashley. So um, I'm 36. Okay, I'm 41. Okay, Michelle, 36. Jennifer, 41. You both look like you're 18. So we'll have to have a separate conversation about your skincare <laughs> regimen, I think. But but Michelle, tell me about growing up in the restaurant business and what sure. what lessons did you apply to your own restaurant, and what are some things that you intentionally decided to change? Well, you know, as Jennifer said, like, growing up in the business, we never in a million years, if you would have asked us, like, when we were younger, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Restaurant owner would never have been anywhere near that list. (laughs) I mean, anyone can say, you know, when you have a family business, you all have to pay your dues. So it's really funny because it's like once we, you know, turned like 15, 16, you know, when you can legally work in the U.S. Borderline <laughs> legally work. Um, you know, we, once we could get that worker's permit, like we were out the door as fast as we could because we're like, oh, my God, I can work and get paid. I'm out of here. Here I go. I actually ended up getting my degree in hospitality and event management. So I didn't stray very far from the family industry. But I will say, like, growing up in the restaurant, it really, it really installed um, some really good work values and, like, work ethics in me, um, you know, because it's a very laborious job. And it's also a job that it, you have basically instant gratification from it, you know. It's like you do something and, like, there's the tangible item. And you hear people say, oh, this is great. Oh, thank you. You know, so it's like you get this instant gratification from it, right? I've been working in um, restaurants and hospitalities for, you know, the past 20 plus years doing private event sales and operations and marketing and branding. Starting this restaurant, Jennifer and I were kind of like, we can do this, you know, because we grew up in the business. Plus we had our mother like there with us, like helping us really open this and put all everything to make everything come to life. It's been really awesome. And it's also now being on the other side, you know, actually being the owner and, and being the one that's purchasing everything, operating everything, you know, paying everyone. It's, you know, it's, it's really different that like little things are starting to make sense that my mom did. So, Like what? I, I feel um, the same way about everything my parents did, but what's an example? Absolutely. So um, like we have a really um, popular sauce called gochujang. It's basically like you put that on everything. It's the Korean version of ketchup. You know, it's always in your house. It's, it can go on everything. And, you know, it's something that, like, I was very carefree about. Like, if I didn't finish up using all the sauce, just throw it away. And my mom would just be like, what are you doing? Do, you do not throw that away. What, what are you doing? And I was just like, what? I'm like, it's sauce. Like, what? And now I'm on the other side, and I actually have, like, put the food costs together. And now I'm that person running around the kitchen. Be like, no, 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 you scrape that. You, you get, the, get the spatula out, you, you get everything out of there. Yeah, money does not grow on trees when you're the one paying. It, 
It totally did not. Now I'm just like, I really am my mother's daughter. I really am. So it's really funny. And Jennifer's even brought it up too, because it's like little things that we're starting to do. We're like, that's why mom did that. That makes sense. You know, she's been a, she's a very savvy businesswoman and all those habits that she did, they all make sense to us now. And we're like, that makes sense. We need to do that too, because we need to be savvy and, you know, we need to watch every little um, nickel and dime that, you know, that's going in and out of this place. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So Jennifer, growing up, first of all, where did the two of you grow up and what are some foods that remind you of your childhood? We mostly grew up in Indiana. Our older sister, Kimberly, um, and, our, and our parents and our family, they were living in Korea. Kimberly was actually born in Korea. I was actually born in Japan. Uh, and then we moved to the States, to Indiana, actually, because that's where my dad's family is from. So we grew up mostly in northern Indiana. So that's kind of where it all started. But, you know, to answer your question about what's kind of like our childhood kind of nostalgia it is the star of our restaurant and the star of the show. It's the bibimbap. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that for us was that it's such a um, a common, normal thing in a Korean household. Because essentially, uh, bibimbap translated, again, literally means mixed rice, <laughs> uh, is, is what the name of the dish means. And so it literally is just a bowl of rice some, you know, vegetables, marinated, stir-fried, etc., uh, a protein, and, and typically like a fried egg, and then the kuchujang sauce Michelle mm-hmm. was talking about. You take a spoon and kind of mix it all up, and it's, it's hearty, but it's nutritious, and it's comforting, and it's, you know, it's all these things. But everything to make a bibimbap can be very labor-intensive, but in a Korean kitchen, like our house, you have all of these things <laughs> always. You know, it's funny. I was listening to uh, actually David Chang's podcast, and they were talking about bibimbap, and they were like, yeah, it's like the last thing I ever order when I go to a Korean restaurant because I eat it at home all the time. But my, like, my American friends, like, are so excited about it because, like, it's like, you know, it's the equivalent of a peanut butter and jelly, you know, I think maybe to them, I'm not sure. But I thought that was so funny, and I was like, oh, my God, yes. But, you know, again, I've lived in Miami now 15 years or, or almost 15 years, and having, you know, not a lot of options for Korean food or to get bibimbap, you know, for me is like why I'm like, I'm always, I was always looking for it and, and ended up just kind of making it at home. And so that's why it just kind of felt like a good idea. But I'd say that's probably number one on mm-hmm. the sort of childhood nostalgia. But yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many things, you know, especially growing up with, you know, our mother, who's such a wonderful chef, just like little, just like little things, little snacks, little things. Like even, you know, we have a new summer menu that we're rolling out and uh, we're, you know, we're thinking, okay, what's seasonal and what's working, you know, what's kind of uh, available and in season right now in the area and completely forgot about um, Korean melon because it's, it's not something you find at the store. You might see it at like an Asian grocery store and, Mm -hmm. and usually only into like the spring and the summer. And I think for Michelle and I both were like, we grew up on that, like our whole lives. Like that was like my, our mother grew it in the garden because it was hard to get anywhere. So she would grow that for us. And we'd have that growing up our whole mm-hmm. lives. And, and I think also, and so it was just like, oh, that's like so norm, but also too, so weird. No one's ever heard or seen this before. <laughs> like no one knows unless you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that, uh, I think definitely in, in what we're doing and, and, um, in our, on our menu and, and what we're kind of sharing, I think, with the community is really very 
childhood food driven, I mm-hmm. think for us, you know, they're all like our favorites. We have a, a rice cake that we're, we're rolling out right now. That's another like childhood favorite. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I like, I think kind of like where, where my nostalgia, I think mm-hmm. kind of is on that. So Michelle Bibimbap, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I had it for the first time um, this past winter because my daughter is obsessed with Korean culture, BTS, <laughs> Blackpink. Her, her best friend is Vietnamese, and she would normally go to her house for like a Lunar New Year party, but we couldn't because of the virus. So we had a little Lunar New Year party at our house, and that was one of the dishes we ordered. So she's educating me. But eating things like Korean melon and bibimbap, if you like – took that in your lunchbox or if a friend came over for dinner at your house Michelle were you were you proud of that were you kind of embarrassed you know how did you feel about it then versus now no that's a you know it's so funny because Jennifer and I we do get nostalgic about this and we we reminisce (laughs) you know unfortunately like when we were growing up especially where we grew up in it was a very rural city. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, no one was around, but you know, it's a pretty rural city. So mixed children also, you know, for our generation, wasn't really a big thing. You know, nowadays, you know, mixed children are a huge thing and all the, you know, different cultures getting merged together. So unfortunately, you know, we weren't really that proud because, you know, whenever our friends did. As I think like a lot of, a lot of immigrant children, Mm -hmm. I think growing up like in our, in our age, but honestly, because of the lack of internet and lack of knowing that there's more of us out there, yeah. <laughs> I think it was like, kind of like a, oh my God, can we please just eat meatloaf? Like, please yeah. don't make <laughs> anything just, weird tonight. Just, like, just get me a hungry man dinner. My friend's coming over. <laughs> yeah. No, Jennifer, that's a really good point. Michelle, you said mixed children. So if you don't mind my asking, like, what are, what is the heritage on both your mom and dad's side? Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. So um, our mother is from South Korea. And our dad is, um, he's American, a little um, Polish, because the last name is Kaminsky. So it's a very, you know, a Polish heritage name. And that's also pretty common. You know, my dad was in the army. So that was a pretty classic story. You know, a lot of parents meeting that were, you know, half Asian and um, half American. But yeah, you know, um, it was, it, it was, it was different. It was really different growing up. Looking back on it, there's so many things that I wish I would have actually taken advantage of while I was younger. You know, mm-hmm. our mother wanted to teach us Korean, but she never we were schooled for years. Like we, yeah. we had like a tutor that was like teaching us Korean for years. And we were like, who are we going to talk to? Why are you making us right. do that? Jennifer, that's <laughs> always the case. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's a musician and I took those piano lessons and now I can't play anything and I regret it. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I totally feel you, Jennifer. Yeah. Where was your mom's restaurant? In Indiana? We're actually from South Bend area, so Notre Dame area. So that's where we're from. And, yeah, like Jennifer said, the restaurant's been going strong for, like, over a little over 30 years. And, you know, what's really unique is my mom started this over 30 years ago, a Korean restaurant in South Bend, Indiana. <laughs> um, you know, she literally was the only Korean restaurant until, honestly, like, maybe – seven years ago, you know, so like she was really going strong and where her restaurants at, again, very residential area, not off any of like main like streets, like where shopping is or like any of like those main streets. Honestly, you know, my mom just like kept true to her, um, her culture. You know, she was that person. She had a very small restaurant. She did table touches every single night. 
walked out there, met every single customer and was like, I'm sunny. This is my, you know, this is my cooking. This is my culture. I learned these recipes from my mother, you know, really educating everyone that came into our restaurant about like how the food came about, like what's so special about it. Also educating people about her culture, you know, so it's very grassroots, really, you know, she's been so successful because one, her hospitality, two, her food's delicious. (laughs) Um, and three, people love that personal touch, you know, actually meeting the chef and coming out and really caring about like, thank you for coming in and, you know, trying my food. So with our restaurant, you know, with our kitchen, Jennifer and I, we really are very proud to also carry that through our restaurant as well. Like people love that we're working the storefront. We're the ones most of the time, like giving the food to customers. And it's really funny because people are like, are you, are you guys like the two Korean girls? <laughs> that's amazing it is it's a people we're just like yeah like oh my god like this is so great to meet you we love you guys we've heard about your story we love you know how your mom is with you this is awesome that you're the one that's actually like handing the food off even like when it comes to reviews um emails like jennifer and i are the ones that are answering it i feel like people really appreciate that because especially nowadays like and especially when you get into a bigger city like miami or chicago or new york or you know these bigger cities it's very seldom that you get to meet the chef right or you get to meet the owner, I should say. You know, people people love it. And so we're really happy that like our mother, that was a trick of the trade that she taught us and that, you know, it really means a lot to people. It really means a lot to us to really thank people. Mother knows best. Michelle, what's the name of your <laughs> mom's what's the name of your mom's restaurant? One one Korean girl? <laughs> <laughs> um, so hers is um Sun- Sunny's Korean restaurant. <laughs> Oh, that's so great. I love it. It's just like you said, it just tells you what it is. Jennifer, Michelle mentioned um, your mom having to educate customers a little bit about the food. So what was your experience? When did you start to Korean Girls? And what was your experience with having to educate people in Miami about the food? I think this all kind of the, the concept kind of hatched about three years ago. Uh, it really only just came to life really last year. We had always thought for it to be a ghost kitchen, um, and then with everything kind of happening, it just seemed sort of right, timing-wise. And so that's how that sort of started and came about. I think that as far as education, I don't think that that really started for us, honestly, until we launched, because, I mean, there really just wasn't much conversation around it. You know, I don't know about Tampa, but like in Miami, in Miami specifically, there's really not a lot of options. If you wanted Thai food, there's like a dozen options you could think of off the top of your head. You want Chinese, there's, a, you know what I mean? Like every kind of, even like Vietnamese, there's, you know, a handful of options. But when you think of Korean food in Miami, only just in the last couple of years have more locations, more Korean restaurants in Miami even popped up. If you go like to the outsides of Miami, like into Broward and into other counties and into more like rural areas, uh, rural parts of the counties, there's surprisingly like more Korean restaurants out there than there is in the city of Miami, which is insane. And so, you know, so again, too, there just, there wasn't, there weren't questions, like it didn't exist, you know? And I think that for us, when we launched, we were like, well, maybe there's a reason why maybe people don't like it. Like maybe it doesn't fit like with this, you know what I mean? Like who knows? And uh, I think what we have found through like social media and, and, and fans talking to us and reviews and whatnot is that, 
it's like people have been waiting for this. They're like, I'm from New York. I'm from LA. I'm from anywhere besides Miami. And like, I love Korean food. I've grown up on it. I've had it my whole life. There's no, you know, like, and like so excited and so welcoming. So we've been so pleased with that. So back to your question about the edu- like educating people, I don't think it really started for us until we launched. And it was, and we learned a lot of things very quickly, I think because of social media, you know, because people would take video and they would post and they would talk about the food and the whatever else and we're watching how they're eating it and they're watching we're watching how they're consuming the food and we're like oh my god no you're doing it wrong <laughs> like this like this like that whatever so I think that for us it was like oh shoot okay we actually need to include directions like when we send bowls out like this is how this is how you eat it and then on that note too is that um you know we created packaging for for our meals when they go out and um, on the packaging actually talks about what is bibimbap what is it what does it mean how do you eat it so that we've checked that box on education when when people go out and we're very excited about it as well mm-hmm. and um you know we like now that we've kind of proved our our concept is freeing michelle and i up a little bit more to focus more on marketing but education is something we're really excited about and that we want to share with why this dish is so important. This is a bit of kind of like almost like a heritage dish to the culture. Why is it so important? Why is it so special? How do you eat it properly? You know, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, start layering in, you know, other things about the culture that we're excited for people to know. You know, even with Lunar New Year, you know, everyone was kind of asking us, oh, well, do you guys celebrate Chinese New Year? Like, well, Chinese New Year is kind of like, kind of, it's kind of Lunar New Year, you know, is, but you know, you're billion plus people. So I guess you get to, to, you get to, you get to claim it. So it's cool. I was like, but there's other people that celebrate Lunar New Year, other cultures that celebrate Lunar New Year. So yes, we'll be celebrating Lunar New Year. along with, you know, the Chinese community, the Vietnamese community, et cetera. So, I mean, to us, it's Korean New Year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's very that's true. You know? so. That's how we knew it. Yeah, Our it thing. <laughs> you know, okay, before I let you go, Michelle, tell me more about how people were eating the food wrong. Oh. <laughs> you know, it was, um, you know, so as Jennifer mentioned, a bibimbap, it's rice, there's protein, the chilled vegetables, eggs, sauce. So everything is laid on the bowl um, quite beautifully. Uh, you know, it has this little, it has an, a special area on the bowl. And so what we were seeing is that people were actually deconstructing the bowl. And, you know, because I think they're used to, it's like, let's think about it. Like, I'm just going to use this as an example. Like, when it's Thai or Chinese food, the rice is separate, and then you have your dish. Mm -hmm. And then you know that, like, you put a little bit of rice, you put a little bit of, you know, the... The, the orange chicken, you, you kind of put it together type of thing, uh, where Korean food, you really, you're supposed to mix everything. Everything is intended to be enjoyed together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even like the special, there's a, um, a, a meal that comes out before your meal. It's called banchan, which are an assortment of chilled vegetables, um, pickled vegetables, you know, et cetera, that come out. And, you know, and that's, you can eat those two ways. You can eat them before your meal. You can do something what I do. I like to have a mini buffet, so I save them until my meal comes out. Um, but again, it's because like I like adding all those in into my in my into my bibimbap that already has a lot of vegetables, and you know, and mixing it all up. So that's where Jennifer was saying the education part came in. You know, we started putting little cards in there, like step one 
grab a big spoon. Step two, mix all the ingredients together. Step three, enjoy. (laughs) Um, And so once people started doing that, they're just like, their just mouth is exploding with all this flavor because they're like, oh, I get it. Not, you know, each item is flavored, and, but it's just like it, it, they're intended to be enjoyed together. So it's like when you put everything together, all those flavors are supposed to mesh together to give you really that explosion of flavor and taste in your mouth. That's great. I love a card with directions because it makes it <laughs> it makes it more accessible, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I, less intimidating, maybe for people. Um, last question, and then anything else you'd like to add? There's been a lot of attention lately paid to racism against Asian women in particular. Where do you see yourselves fitting into this conversation? As restaurant owners, you have somewhat of a platform, but you're not like a justice movement. <laughs> so where do you, where do you see yourselves fitting into this conversation? And how do you think food could help in that education? I feel strongly that we live in a day and age where I think that it is important for everyone to be a part of a justice movement. Yes, we are a food brand, but I think long gone are the days of, of brands and corporations taking that like well, we're just, we're just here to sell something, you know, kind of attitude and be nice and pretend like this isn't going on. We can't pretend like this isn't going on. And I think long gone are those days. And I think every chance, you know, Michelle and I get, whether it's participating in support rallies, making charitable donations, you know, we did a huge fundraiser actually two months ago during a Women's History Month for a local nonprofit called No More Tears that supports female domestic violence victims and sex trafficking. We um, participated in a support for um, a movement for AAPI with Yelp, actually, uh, last month. Mm -hmm. So I think every business owner uh, needs to take it upon themselves to use their platform for more than what they're just doing and really taking a a position and a stand on on doing what's right. Because Mm -hmm. if you want, you know, if you want to love our food, love our culture, help support the people that are being victimized and and being attacked for for all reasons. And I think that goes for all cultures. The time has long since passed that we can just kind of pretend that we're sort of insulated and this doesn't affect us and that this doesn't happen. You know, it's funny, we are, you know, even just as you were talking about before with like childhood foods and things like that, you know, I think that for so long, and I feel like probably I would be willing to guess a lot of, um, you know, minority cultures, you know, in the U.S. feel the same way is having to apologize and make other people feel comfortable for who we are, what we do and what our culture is, you know, like to apologize for the, the smells, the flavors, the colors, the, the energy, the everything that comes from it. And I feel like no more. And I think every every business owner, every entrepreneur, every person out there, no matter who you are, you know, we all now have little mini platforms, some bigger than others because of social media. I, I know a lot of people might think it's, oh, well, you know, you, you, you posted this, but you didn't do anything about it or whatever else. But I think that um, collectively, from a percentage standpoint, if it is motivating, if it is changing more people, I think as a whole, I think there is a movement, Right. I don't think that the, the Asian culture and the movement against Stop Asian Hate is anything new, but I do think it is certainly a part of, of a bigger problem that I think 
we all need to take some responsibility for helping not only just just any particular culture, but as a whole, use your platform, use your voice. And, mm-hmm. and I also, too, I think, use it kindly as well. You know, I think a lot of people do want to be, they like they want to do better. They want to know better so that they can do better. And so mm-hmm. if we can help with that by being unapologetically ourselves and introducing things to people in a way that uh, one shares our culture and things that we are proud of and really for us to stand up for it and for other people as well. <laughs> and I think, you know, with, with everything, you know, with this whole justice movement that's going on, it's, it's all about educating people, you know, like, yeah, like this is what my culture does. Like, this is what we do. This is why this is so special to us. I think it's just that people just aren't, they just don't know. So it's like, if they don't know something, sometimes you get scared. Like Jen said, like teaching people our culture, you know, showing them our food, having, you know, the Korean culture, the K-pop, the K-beauty, you know, everything, um, you know, really shining through us and like whatnot. It must, you know, naturally just being proud of Mm -hmm. like who we are and what we are. And, um, and we are, like I said, we're very excited to be able to educate and bring all of this culture and knowledge to Miami and, and eventually the world, world domination. <laughs> we're going to put the bin bobs in everyone's hands. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a very delicious domination. Well, Michelle and Jennifer of Two Korean Girls, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for making the time. We really appreciate it. Jennifer and Michelle Kaminsky are the sisters behind the Miami restaurant, Two Korean Girls. They shared their recipe for kimchi fried rice with chicken. Find it on our website, thezestpodcast.com. You can also read more about Jennifer and Michelle in the fall issue of Forum, the magazine of Florida Humanities. There's a profile of the sisters written by yours truly, Dalia Cologne. I produce The Zest with Andrew Lucas, and we get help from Chandler Balcom, Mark Hayes, and Blake Bass. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media, copyright 2021.